I originally had a different episode planned for this week, but with Elder Holland's talk earlier this week at BYU, I really saw a firestorm, as you probably did too, of social media posts really polarizing in one direction or the other. And I love Elder Holland, and I still love Elder Holland. But I really wanted to address this topic this week because it felt so timely. And I have on the podcast this week my husband, Micah, and we talk about what it's like to be the parent of a gay son. Even if you don't have an LGBTQ child of your own, I urge you to listen to this because when we hear stories of other people who have situations that are different than ours, it humanizes a policy and it can open our hearts and our minds to seeing maybe something from somebody else's point of view. So I urge you to listen to this and a big thank you to my husband, Micah, for doing this podcast episode with me. This is podcast episode number 12, what it's like to be the parent of a gay son. Howard W. Hunter said, Your detours and disappointments are the straight and narrow way back to him. When your child leaves or distances themselves from the church, when they tell you they're LGBTQ, you are on a parenting detour, and it can be tough to figure out. Now, you might be on a detour, but how does that detour lead you back to him? Join me on this podcast and let's talk about it. Okay, I have the most important guest ever on the podcast today, which happens to be my husband, Micah Gosney. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and Micah is, um, first of all, he's my husband, and he's my best friend, and he's probably going to be somewhat of a regular guest on the podcast because he also has been with me on this parenting journey as we've been trying to figure a lot of things out. So I plan on having him on here because I think his voice is very needed and really valuable, especially from a male perspective. We wanted to talk today about, we actually, I actually had a different episode planned for this week, but with Elder Holland's talk at BYU earlier this week, and all of the, there's been a lot of social media posting, very polarizing posts, um, this week, and we felt like this was the week that we wanted to talk about this certain subject, which is, what is it like being the parent of a gay son? And our experience is our experience, so it's not going to be universal. Everybody's going to have their own experience. But the reason that we wanted to, to get on and tell the, our story is because when you hear stories of people, they become more human to you, and you find it easier to connect with people through their stories. So we really wanted to get on and talk about our story and the way that we've been affected by things that have happened and kind of where we are now in this whole journey. What do you think, Micah? I feel the same. I'm grateful to be here, number one. I'm grateful that we, as a couple, are 
on this journey together. I don't know how I would be able to function without Tina in my life. She's, first of all, she's my rock. And second of all, it's been hard. We've had our ups and downs, but we've seemed to always come through and work through everything. And when our son, Sam, came out to us and let us know that he was gay, I was taken back. Tina and I had our suspicions for a long time about Sam and his his choices and what he was doing in his life. I don't know if I would call them suspicions. I think I think we had questions. Yeah. And we saw him reacting to certain things in certain ways that didn't make sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I think that when he came out to us, then it was like, oh. Right. Now, you know, now it makes more sense. Yeah. It did make more sense. <laughs> yeah. He... First of all, he's just my son. I I don't feel like Sam is anything but my son. He I love him. I'm grateful for him. He has a wonderful personality. He's very loving and caring. And he'll be the first one to give you a hug and tell you it's okay. We have started talking more to each other. I guess as you get older, you talk more to your parents. I was the same day, same way with my father. It's just your priorities switch, they change, and you start asking questions. And he's just my son. Yeah. So first and foremost, he's our son. Yes. Always will be, yes. no matter what no matter he's what. doing in his life. And our daughters are the same way. Absolutely. First and foremost, they're just our daughters. And that's to to us. That's the most important thing. Yes, they're our family. We've talked a lot about the fact that if we didn't have a son that was gay, would we, or we wouldn't actually, be in the place that we are now, in the fact that we've had to wrestle with a lot of things in the church, and a lot of like gospel principles and how do they apply to us and to our family and what do we want to think about those and how are we going to move forward where we are right now? I think one of the biggest blessings that we had in our family in the past year has been the COVID-19 pandemic in going yeah. in doing virtual meetings with our kids on Sunday. And for a while it was church on Sunday. We met with them and we had gospel topics and we did things together. And I think we became closer, not only to our kids, but closer to our heavenly father because it was, we were tightening our group and tightening our family ties through the gospel. Yeah. And, and Sam wasn't the only one of our kids that struggled going to church. No. Um, and his sisters are very protective of him and would sit in meetings and and be upset sometimes about some of the things that they heard, not just regarding him, but some other things. And so when we started having church online, we did it through Zoom because we all don't live in the same place. And some people were here and some were on Zoom. And we started doing church virtually and having gospel discussions ourselves and being able to talk through things in a way that we hadn't before 
And I think it was a really good thing for our family for that reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't remember who said it. It might have been Sam, but he said, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Sam, but (laughs) um, said something like, these are the best church meetings that I've ever been to. Yeah. I can't remember if it was Sam either, but I think it was. Um, I, I think it, it was. So, what kind of blessings have you seen in our life because we do have a gay son? Personally, I have had my mind opened to, well, not only my mind opened, but my heart and my soul opened to Sam and. He is married to Ricky, his husband, and I have been able to feel a closeness to them because he's still Sam. It's just not, like I said before, Sam, he's my son, first and foremost, and he's still the same person. He still is that loving, kind, happy, you know, do anything for you kind of person and that hasn't changed. And I think that's what's made me the most happiest is that he hasn't changed in the fact that he's my son, but his he still loves everybody. He loves everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. He loves you. And he would do anything for you. Sam does have a very loving spirit. Yes, he does. Um, the other blessings, I think, that have come... Not just by that, but just the experience of being able to recognize other things other than being selfish and and closed off to the world. I think it's made me more of a open-minded person, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's really made me... Like, go back to grassroots, like, what do I believe? And, like, just firm up my foundation. And I think that looking back at my life, I think that I didn't really know Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father until this situation. Like, on a really personal level, where I felt very personally connected to them. You thought you did. I thought I did before. Yes. Yeah. But it's like spiraling up. Your whole life, you get experiences that let you learn things on a new level. I mean, you could call it spiraling up. You could call it peeling off the layers of an onion. But I think this was a big layer and a, or a big spiral in that I think I'm so firm in my relationship with them. And our relationship with each other has is just solid. Yeah. And I think my ability, just because it was such a hard thing to go through, and in some ways really heartbreaking, that it just opens your heart up to other people that are struggling and suffering. And I think it helps you to just have that like that fine-tuning notice when somebody else is struggling. And see the small little things that are pointing that direction. And just being able to go to them and say, hey, are you having a hard time? What can I help you with? Right. Do you want to talk? 
I think that's been a big blessing too. Right. Part of it's, it's, you feel like it's happened to you in a way as a parent that you've gone through your emotions as a dad and a mother and you've raised your family. And when they get to be older, they get to make their own choices and you don't get to, yeah, that's tricky. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get to make them do what you want them to do. Well, as, as a parent and raising your family, you have certain stories in your mind that you've written for your children and where they should be and what they should do and how they should act and who they're going to be with and what they're going to do in the future. You have a picture. I'm an artist and I can see pictures in my mind of people and places and things. I can see them and I can take those pictures out of my mind and put them on a piece of paper or canvas, or Mm -hmm. I can make those things. That's kind of in my creative soul. I can take those things and do that. I can't take a pencil or a pen or a paintbrush and paint what my kids are going to do. I can't do that. And it's a struggle. It's hard because you want, you don't want them to have heartache. You don't want them to have problems. You don't want to, you know, have them go through certain things because you know, it's going to hurt them, but you can't shield them from those things. You can't make them not do things in their lives that they're going to do. And so Sam really put that in perspective for me because I was like, Really, Sam? Are you? Are you really? Do you really feel that way? Are you really gay? In my mind, uh, because you're young, you're Im- impulsive. You know, is this is this what you really want out of your life? It's going to be hard. You know, I don't want things to be hard for you, but that's not my choice. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that you you struggle with because, as a dad, you want to shield and protect those around you that you love and their decisions affect you because sometimes they take away your ability to protect them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But that's okay. And I think that's the part that I'm realizing now through the past, you know, few years uh, I'm realizing that, You don't need to have control of everything. You don't need to constantly, you know, jump in front of arrows for your kids. They have to learn and they have to take those arrows themselves. Yeah. Well, I think we've also learned that we're really not in control. No. Of really anything. The things that we thought we had control over, we really don't. Nobody has control. Nobody has control. And I think once you get over the fact that you don't have control of – everything in your life, then you're, it's, it's kind of freeing actually, because you can just let go and have the experiences that you need to have. And it changes your mindset that, okay, I couldn't control that, but what did I get out of it? Yeah. And I think like naturally as parents, we want to shield our kids from, from hurt, like you said, and failure and just like things that you dangers that you see ahead for them. But there is so little control we have, especially when they're adults. And 
if you think about your own life, like the things that you learned and grew the most from are the times that you made those mistakes or the times that things didn't turn out or the times that you were experiencing, you know, like the most pain, the most hurt, the most failure. Those are the times that we learn the most from. So when we're trying to shield our kids from all of that, we're actually shielding them from being able to grow from their experiences. Right. Which is a hard thing to come to terms with. Yes, it is. Well, and the other thing is Sam, prior to coming out to us in his younger years, he struggled as a human being. He had lots of anxiety. He had lots of anger. He had lots of things, especially coming home from church. That kid would be all worked up coming home from church, if you remember. Yeah, well, that's what I meant when I said, like, we saw things happening and we're like, this doesn't make any sense. Right. And, and then once we found out, when he, once he told us, then that anger from church started to make sense. Right. Yeah. And some other things started to make sense. A lot of things made sense. Yeah. After the fact. Yeah. So one thing that we have struggled with is, is the lack of empathy that we feel like is shown to parents of LGBT kids. And empathy is different than sympathy. And Brene Brown talks about this in a sense of like, imagine you're thrown into a dark, a deep pit and you're like down there and you're saying, man, I'm stuck. It's dark. I'm overwhelmed. I'm cold. I'm in pain. And empathy is when someone climbs down there with you and says, Hey, I know what it's like down here, and you're not alone. Tell me your story. Tell me what it's like. And that forms connections between people. And that's when you feel like, I really have someone that I can count on. And someone, I don't need someone to fix it for me. I just need someone to be here with me and listen to me for a minute. And sympathy is different because sympathy has a person standing at the top of the the pit, looking down at you, saying, Man, it's pretty dark down there. Pretty pretty much stinks to be you right now, doesn't it? Do you want a do you want a sandwich? Can I get you something? But that person's not willing to come down into the pit with you. And I think often as parents of LGBT kids and trying to navigate being active in the church, we get a lot of sympathy or we get Almost um, like an even an unacknowledging that there even is a son that we have that's gay. Like people don't even like they don't even want to talk about it. And I don't think it's because people are bad. I think that we get sympathy and we get unacknowledgement because people don't know what to say. It's uncomfortable because they're uncomfortable and they don't even know how to approach the subject. Or another thing that we get is people wanting to quote scriptures to us or tell us what we should be doing or um, give us the latest talk from a church leader, all of which are not helpful Well, because we already know all those things. Yeah. And that's the field guide, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're, and I remember being a young person in mutual and hearing lessons and thinking, oh crap, I'm a bad person. Because of this, that, or the other thing. And I got preached at a lot, which, you know, 
that's okay, but nobody really wants to be preached to. They want to know that you are in their thoughts, in their prayers. You're think they're thinking of you. I remember um, I was feeling kind of uh, like I wanted to put things out in front of me before they started coming back to me, if that makes any sense. So what I did is I started calling my family. This is right after Sam right came after, out. Yeah, well, right after he came out publicly. Yeah, because Sam. We had known for a year. Yeah, we had known for a year, but Sam came out uh, in on social media, which a lot of people do. Um, it was after he had just left our home and we're like, what the heck? We didn't know he was going to do that, but that, you know, that's not our decision, but I didn't know that was going to happen. It would have been cool to kind of have a little bit, you know, Sam, that'd have been cool to have a little bit of, you know, warning. I just wanted to give my family a heads up before they hear it from somebody else. So I started making phone calls and the first call was my parents, my mom and my dad, which I was, they're old. Mom, dad, they're older. They're in their eighties and, uh, they've been members all their lives. Um, so I just was calling them as I got talked, talking to my dad and I said, dad, I said, just want to let you know that Sam's come out and he says that he's great. And he's like, well, that's great. And I was kind of thrown off my track there. And he said, that's, we love him. That's awesome. Good for Sam. I love, tell him I love him. And that was it. And then my next phone call was to my sister and she's like, tell Sam that we love him. And then the next call was to my brother, John, who, uh, has a lot of opinions about things. And he was like, good for him. Tell him we love him. My brother, Kevin, who he's a wonderful person. And he was like, tell him we love him. And my brother, Kip and my brother, Josh, I talked to all my, all my siblings and they were like, tell Sam that we love him. And that was the message that they just wanted to Sam to know that they loved them. And that kind of blew me away because my family, my family is very opinionated. And and when I say opinionated, I mean opinionated. They And they're not afraid to tell people what their opinions are. And so I was grateful for that moment that my family, all they wanted to do was love Sam. Mm-hmm. And that was so important to me. And I was blown away about their, uh, about their generosity and their love and how there was no judgment mm-hmm. from them at all. And it made my heart swell. And I was proud of them at that moment. And it made me think of, to myself, like, all you do is you love your son and that's all you can do. And if you, he has love from your family members, from his friends, that's all he needs. He doesn't need to have the world tell him who he is and what he is because mm-hmm. he's Sam. Yeah. I think from as many, I've talked to a lot of parents that have LGBTQ kids and there's a really an overarching common message that they get when they're trying to figure it out. And trying to get answers from in their prayers and their fasting and their study. And that common message is, you're just supposed to love your child and I'll take care of everything else. That's the biggest message that you and I got out of this whole yeah. thing. The biggest. I mean, 
it that when we were talking about that, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. You're just, what does Christ do? He loves you. Christ loves you. Your biggest job is your to biggest love your job child is to love your child and let me take care of everything else. Don't fix them. Don't don't try to make them do what you would think they should do. You just have to love them. Yeah. And so we're just trying to figure out. You know, we've been trying to figure out for three years. Like, what is the best way that we love Sam? What is the best way that we can do that? And at the same time, I have experienced such intense love from Christ in healing in my own journey that to me, part of that loving my child is to point them towards Christ, to point him towards Christ at all times. Sometimes he doesn't want to hear that. No, he doesn't. (laughs) And sometimes I think he's okay with it. Right. Well, I'll I'll just keep going. Yeah. Well, just that's all you can do is you just keep going as their parent and you can Give them direction and give them advice and love them. And then they make the decisions to do what they're going to do. And Jesus takes care of the rest. And I just trust that he's going to, actually. Yeah, I'm going to be the best parent I can be. And not have to fix anything because it's not my job. It wasn't ever my job in the first place. I got a little bit confused about that. Uh, More than a little bit confused. Kind of a lot confused for a while. But now I know it's not my job. My job is to love and teach them and to point them towards Christ. And sometimes going to church, knowing that, knowing that I don't have to worry about it, and that it's all going to be fine, Someday, sometimes going to church is a great experience, and then sometimes it's not. And, you know, as we talked about this podcast episode, and we were talking about, like, when is church hard and when is it not? And we talked about how when we get stuck in the times where when we feel like um, I'm supposed to fix something, or we get you know, kind of thrown around in this whirlwind of social media when a talk like this from, you know, one of the church leaders comes out and there's a lot of polarizing posts and people that want to tell you what to do that have no idea what your experience is. And it sometimes it feels like you go to church church and you have a target on your back and like you're not a person to be loved. You're just a, a thing to have a policy thrown at. When I go to church with that, and I'm in that frame of mind, it is not a pleasant place to be because it feels like we're the enemy of people that feel like they have to defend themselves from us. When we feel far from anybody's enemy, like we don't have an agenda to change any policy at church. Our agenda at church is just to bring a a bridge of love and understanding between the two communities. Because why is there a why does there why do we even need to have a bridge? We shouldn't have to have a bridge, but it really feels like we need to. So there's that frame of mind that we go to church in that doesn't feel good at all. And then there's the other mindset that I can go to church when I when I'm like I just want to learn today how to be a better person. How can I help somebody else that might be struggling? 
How is attending church today leading me more to be like Jesus Christ, leading more me more towards my heavenly home with Heavenly Father? And when I go to church that way, it's a totally different experience. And I can filter out the things that might feel hurtful or judgmental and that I just want to take home with me. So, Micah, so what is church like for you? Because you said it was different. Well, I, when I grew up, my family moved around a lot. As a young kid, I'd been to different elementary schools. I've been in different homes. I've been in different parts of the country. You know, my dad was an electrician and when work was tough, we would, you know, have to go to places and find work. And so we, we traveled a lot as a family. A lot of times a vacation was getting, packing up and moving to a new place. That was like, (laughs) not really a vacation, but that's kind of what it was. So I, my experience with church, um, was a lot of it was family oriented. That's not, that's weird to say, but it's family oriented because it was mostly my family. We would go to a ward and we would do, we wouldn't be there very long sometimes. And so you didn't really have chances to, to bond and to nurture relationships with people um, in your ward because you weren't going to be there very long. So, I learned at a young age that church wasn't about being in a building. Church was about being with your family. Church was about having a relationship with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And the building was a place to go and get those things, but it wasn't the only place to get those things. So, Going to church for me now, and Tina and I have only been in not very many wards. We've been in like three or four wards our whole marriage in the 31 years that we've been married. So we've had that opportunity or chance to really get to know people in our ward, get to have callings, and be able to develop those relationships that you do with a ward. But there's still in the back of my mind that the gospel is about family first. And so when I go to church and somebody says something derogatory or I feel is a little off, I'm like, okay, that guy or whoever that is, isn't, they're just not there yet. Yeah. They're, they haven't had the experiences that I've had. And so what they're saying, either, either just, it washes off my back or I, I take it sometimes and I'll think about it for a little while and then I'll just dismiss it if it doesn't, if it doesn't work for me. Yeah. So it's almost like you're saying kind of like when Jesus was on the cross and he said, Hey, forgive them for they know not what they do to the Romans. Not yeah. The Romans. But, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm definitely not saying, not Jesus I'm on not the saying cross. you're Jesus, but, <laughs> but it's the same idea. <clears throat> yeah. And that you're saying, hey, I can forgive these people because they really don't know what they're doing right now. Right. And I think that's anybody. Um, we don't know the whole plan. The plan is so much bigger than where we are right now and who we are. The plan that Heavenly Father has for us, we will spend a thousand lifetimes 
this these lifetimes trying to get through and figure out and know what he knows and try to understand it. Nothing really on this earth that is going to tell us everything that we need to know. There's nothing. I don't know the whole plan. You don't know the whole plan. Mm -mm. The guy giving the Sunday school lesson doesn't know the whole plan. No. The Book of Mormon is still part of the plan. The Book of Mormon is part of the plan. Mm -hmm. And the, the Book of Mormon is very important. And it has a lot of life's lessons in there. Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, are the center of that book. And the lesson is get to know Christ. Get to yeah. understand Jesus Christ. Open your heart. Try to understand what's going on with other people. I I was fairly, I don't want to say closed-minded, but I did if I didn't, if it didn't if it didn't affect me, I didn't think about it. I think that's how most people are though. Yeah. Most people are that way. But yeah. I think I kind of take it to the extreme. If it doesn't fit in my box sometimes, I just throw it out of the box and put the lid down and hunker down in my box and don't worry about it. Yeah. And not everybody can do that. Yeah. I don't want to say that's a gift, but. <laughs> you think it's a gift. I, sometimes I do. <laughs> sometimes I, I think it's a gift that I can put, close the lid on my box and not, you know, people can throw rocks at me and it doesn't bother me. Yeah. But not everybody can do that. Well, if there's one thing that you want to leave this podcast, some people that are listening with, what would that be? Love your kids. Your kids are going to dye their hair purple. Your kids are going to wreck their cars. Your kids are going to do things that are going to drive you crazy. They're going to make decisions where you're like, oh my gosh, you are a complete idiot. But... You still love We've that. all been there <laughs> when our parents probably said that about my us. My <laughs> dad, oh my gosh, my mom and my dad said, I can't tell you how many times they said, you're an idiot, but I love you. So I don't know, you're grounded for whatever it is you did, but I still love you. You know, they did it out of love. Yeah. But I, you, you just need to recognize that your children are making decisions and they're not always going to be the ones you want, but sometimes their decisions they make are the ones that they need to make. And who are we to say? Who am I to say? shouldn't be making those. Absolutely. Maybe that's the path they're supposed to walk. Right. They're on a path. And their their path is supposed to take them to Christ. This, the path is straight, but there's detours. Yeah. Your detours and disappointments are the straight and narrow way back to him. That's right. Howard W. Hunter, where we get the name of this podcast. Yep. Yeah. And for sure, you're going to go on detours. Your kids are going to take you on detours. If there's one thing that I could leave this podcast saying, it would be go find a person. Everybody knows someone that is affected by the LGBTQ community, whether it's you know a person that is in that community or someone that has a brother or someone that has a child or maybe a grandchild. But go find someone and ask them to tell you their story. Don't be the person up at the top of the pit saying, man, it sure sucks to be you. Here, do you want a sandwich? But get down into the pit and say, hey, are you struggling? 
Will you tell me your story? How can I help you? Because I think we all need that. And right now, this week, parents of LGBTQ kids need that more than ever. So, thanks, Micah. Yep. Thank you. You'll be back soon, I'm sure. You bet. Okay. Thanks for listening to Parenting Through the Detour podcast. I'm your host, Tina Gosney. If you want to learn more about my work, please visit me at tinagosney.com. That's T-I-N-A-G-O-S-N-E-Y dot com. And don't forget to subscribe and follow this podcast. I'll see you next week.